We're rolling. Are both mics active? Both mics are active. Alex? Yes, Jason? What's Pokemon? Well, Jason, I think in Japanese, Pokemon means pocket monster. (laughs) (laughs) It is literally the best game of the 21st century. Have you been living under a rock? Uh, Yeah, I'm not playing Pokemon, but like, what is it? Like, what do you have to do? So, okay, so what are you talking about? Are you talking about the actual Nintendo game? Like, what's the point? Like, what do you... It's to catch them all. There's 250 Pokemon, which, if you're of my mindset, it's only 151, counting Mew and Mewtwo at the end of it. So, I'm just saying... (laughs) You sound like such a loser. (laughs) What? You know so much more about, like, all this other, you know, like, amps and, like... Audio stuff, and okay, I saw you playing Legos with your kids, which is awesome, but I'm just saying, if you're saying that this is a childish, stupid thing, you're doing the same childish, stupid things, just in a different way. Maybe, it's not like, so here's my thing, if this were, if this were Ghostbusters instead of Pokemon, and I was like, wrangling in some ghosts all over the map. Well, there's ghost Pokemon. There's legitimately ghost Pokemon. And actually, after the episode, after we're done recording this, I'm going to go into the graveyard behind the church, and I'm going to try and catch some ghost Pokemon. See, that's ridiculous. Why, you're going to be walking over dead people's bodies, robbing their graves to get some They're stupid dead. Pokemon. It's just dead matter. You are such a their jerk. Their souls have either gone to <laughs> heaven or to hell. They're not in there. It's just dead flesh. That'll rise up at the end of all things and be judged. So in that graveyard behind us, the guy who founded Davison is back there. Yep. And you're hoping to find a and, Pikachu on his... And there's maybe a Poke <laughs> stop back there. I need to refill on some Pokeballs. This is ridiculous. Oh, it, it's only just begun. Uh, let's just get started. All right. This is not your pastor's podcast. Well, uh, we're, we're finally here, Jason. After all the hype, after all the posts on Instagram and on Facebook and Twitter, we're finally recording our first episode. You sound so fake. I'm not fake. <laughs> yeah, you do. What? This is funny to do me. Do you think I have a great voice for radio? Yeah, or I think you're pushing podcasts? the. I think you're pushing the radio voice I, a little bit. I'm not. Yeah. I'm just doing what I do. And I want to welcome our listeners to the very first episode of Not Your Pastor's Podcast. How, it, many, how many people do you think will actually listen to this? I'm, I'm hoping for at least a million downloads. <laughs> a million? The first episode, a million downloads. And if not, then maybe we'll commit Harry Carey and be done with it. How many candy cigarettes do you think we're going to go through by the time we're done recording this? At least this? 24 packs. That's, that's the whole box. We have insulin shots standing by. <laughs> Just in case we go into a sugar coma. I think this will get 100 plays, maybe. I'm be happy with that. Definitely. I think I'd be happy with that, too. 100 plays. So let's, let's introduce the people to who we are, because maybe a lot of you are listening to this and you don't know Jason or you don't know myself, and how we got to this whole conclusion that maybe we should jump on the bandwagon and start a podcast. All right. Let's do this. 
Who are you, Alex Ryman? I am a white male, 27 years young. Uh, I'm a father of one very, very cute daughter. Uh, her name is Ada May. I'm married to the most incredible woman ever. and Her name is Shauna, and that's who I am. Where my story began was in Rochester, Michigan. Wait a I'm, second. What? Did you think the movie Kung Pao was funny? Yeah. Okay, that's all anybody needs to know right there. What? <laughs> that movie was terrible. <laughs> Why are you awful. dogging Kung Pao? It was a terrible movie. It was awesome. No, see, and I think that's our that's our like our subtle but gigantic age difference. That's why you play Pokemon and I don't. Because I mean, it just goes back. Do you to remember that. the scene when he's partying with the desert creatures? That scene is hilarious. I tried to forget as much of that movie as possible. Oh my gosh, we my friends and I quoted it. Actually, the only one of the ways that I started talking to Shauna through text before we were dating is I would randomly text her Kung Pao quotes. And then we would, she knows them too? Yes, yeah, she does. We would wow. talk about Kung Pao and it would be like, I'm talking to a girl. <laughs> <laughs> this is cool. Kung Pao. <laughs> it was That's sweet. so terrible. It was sweet. Anyway. Uh, I'm sorry. You were, you were saying. I was in the middle of my story before it yeah. was rudely interrupted. Okay. Uh, no. Uh, I grew up in Metamora, Michigan. A nice little town uh, just south of Lapeer. And really was kind of all all about the American dream. I had a good carpentry job and I was doing that and it was really great. But then uh, something happened and I, uh, I got saved. I realized that I was a sinner, that I needed Christ. And I went to church one day, I was listening to the pastor preach and all of a sudden just something clicked in my head like I needed, I needed Jesus. And so I, I started uh, going to church. I remember- How uh, old were you? I was 17. Okay. 17 years old, uh, did not grow up in the typical evangelical church, grew up mainly Catholic, um, but got saved at 17, and really the first couple years of me being a new believer in Christ, uh, I didn't really do a whole lot. I went to camps and played guitar a little bit, but I didn't really, uh, really start coming into my faith until I started dating Shauna, and she sat me down one night and she told me and said, listen, I don't think you're the spiritual leader of this relationship. And she was hot. So you're going to do whatever like, she said. I'm going to do whatever you say, sweetheart. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do ex- whatever whatever you want me to do. Actually, no. It made it, it made me think about, man, what am I doing with my with my faith, with my my walk with Christ? Basically nothing. I'm just walking around in circles trying to catch Pokémon this whole time. I'm just being just <laughs> a ridiculous fool. We're going to keep coming back to that. Pokémon's great. It's so good. I've actually, I leveled up today, my Pidgeotto I to a I really Pidgeot. don't want to hear about it. It's... <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what any of that means. So it doesn't, it's... it's let like, me just let, let you know. On my way over here, stopped at four Pokestops. Refilled up all my items. It's great. That sounds, it sounds hey, if you're ridiculous. listening to this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Pokemon. Get it. Who cares if Google's monitoring all of your stuff when you log on to your Pokemon account? See, that's what, I downloaded it for the boys, for the boys. For your children. For my children. I downloaded it for them, and I did not install it because it wants access to everything. If you have a smartphone, they're already accessing your information. I know, I know, but it's just like, why does, why does Pokemon need this? Because they need to know how to market it better to you. Why do they need all the contacts, like, in my email? So they can get information? 
I'm just, it's, I don't know. It's going to happen. It's going to happen either way, and then we're all going to get that Mark of the Beast, and we're not going to be able to enter. Maybe Pokemon play. is the Mark of the Beast. Do you ever they, think about they that? They are monsters, or beasts, some would call them. <laughs> I think Pokemon's Oh my gosh, maybe it is. <laughs> Pokemon's the Mark I of gotta the Beast. I've got to delete my app now. i got to delete my yeah. app. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so back to back to the story with Shauna, and she basically called me out on my crap. She just said, "You are not living for Christ like you should be." So I, it was after that time that I really started just reading the Bible and trying to figure out, okay, what is what does Christ want me to do? And as I started reading the Bible, I I found myself like just loving the Scripture more and more, and it was it was just amazing. I felt like every night I would sit down, and this was like super super. I guess religious and kind of like corny Christianity. I would like get a candle out and I would light a candle and it would just be like the only light in the room. One like this with a very white Jesus on it? Yes, exactly. The Jesus <laughs> candle that your wife got you. That's the exact, no. And I would like sit in a room and I would just read the Bible with that candle lit and it was like just these, these amazing moments where I would spend time with God in prayer and in his word. And then I realized, I'm like, man, I need to be doing something with my faith. So I, I did the only thing that made sense at the time was I started a men's Bible study. Never taught a Bible study, never even, I'd literally been studying the Bible for like a year and just decided to start a Bible study and my friends and I called it BOSS, which stood for Brothers of Scriptural Studies. That's, that's actually, that's pretty darn impressive because one of the, when I, when I first met you, I came to a boss thing. Not like, not the very first time I met you, but I came to one of those Bible studies you, you asked me to come to. I didn't know you'd only been studying the Bible for a year because like out of like top 10 best church experiences, I'd put boss right up really? there. Really? I would. I would definitely put boss up there. Like boss is what church should be in my opinion. Okay. I mean, maybe not with just a bunch of dudes, but yeah, we should like, probably include women. Yeah. You know, that might be good. Procreation and stuff. Absolutely. It's one of the ways the church grows. <laughs> yeah, that would be an expert like church growth model. Just keep having babies. Yeah, absolutely. No, but but in all seriousness, I walked into I think it was out in Lapeer. Yeah. My old farmhouse that yeah. my buddy my buddy Chris owned, but he let me rent graciously. Yeah. So I, I go to this this Bible study you invited me to, and it was a group of dudes who should not have been in the same room together. What do you mean by that? I mean, because you had like what looked like little punk rock kids. My brother-in-law, yeah. Yeah, and then you had... <laughs> well, he wasn't the only one. There was more in there, Yeah, well, I thought. There was one kid. His name was Garth, and I don't know where he's at now, but he was like a new believer. But when he first came to my Bible study, he was black nail polish, black shirt, he had the he had those really baggy like parachute pants that had the chains that were connecting the legs. He Bond, shows, bondage pants? Is that what they're called? I think so. I think you're talking about bondage pants. <laughs> well, he had them. <laughs> and he was in my Bible study and he was like we asked him to read out of 1 John and he read out of the Gospel of John. And so it was like this cool moment where we had to explain to him like, "Okay, this is John's Gospel." He's writing about Jesus, and then later, this is a letter that John is writing to the church in 1 John. So it's kind of like this cool moment, like, oh man, I've never met anybody who's never noticed like the difference. There's John and 1 John. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I started Boss literally just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do ministry, but I'm just going to try this. And it was... And this is, okay, so this is kind of dating a little bit what was going on. Driscoll, 
Mark Driscoll was huge at the time, and I loved him. And he was, he was literally one of those pastors. Like, he was the pastor to me over the internet. I remember I would come home, and I would just listen to all of his sermons online. And he was like the only. I never heard a pastor preach like that before. And he was like yelling at me, telling me to stop being a dumb, lazy man. And then he was, he was just this great Bible teacher, and I really emulated a lot of my my teaching styles and and even topics that I would preach on from him. And so he discipled me, I guess, through the internet. Through the, I'm just saying, Boss was a pretty impressive start to ministry uh, just because of the group of guys that were in there. And it was a group of guys I didn't know, but you sat down, you had a meal together. The conversation was honest. And then at the end of it all, we, I mean, we did this short little Bible study. I don't remember what the Bible study was, but I was just remembered being amazed, like, yeah, this group of guys, you know, you got, was Luke in there? He's got a gun on his hip. You got, you know, little punk rock kids. And you got me, it's my first time there. And I'm just like, this, this group of people, they don't look like they belong together, but they're all coming together in prayer and sharing like earnest and honest, like needs and just open discussion. And when I thought about starting this, this, what we're doing here, like boss is the first thing that came to my mind is how do we, how do we recreate that? And at first I was thinking like a YouTube like show <laughs> and I told Chad about it. Who's the guy behind the cameras here. And then we decided that we don't have faces for YouTube. Hence the pop filters. Yep. And, uh, um, behind it. Jess, my wife, brought up the idea of a podcast to your wife at a mom's thing. See, it's all about our wives. Yeah. We, we are not... They really do run everything. They do. Yeah. I don't, I don't do anything without her say so. No, me neither. <laughs> That's just like a, being a smart husband. No, it is. I think yeah. it is. Happy wife, happy life. After you... I don't, I'm going to get I that tattoo. I don't like that, that saying, but... Why not? I don't know, because like... You, you want your wife to be happy, don't you? I want her to be happy, yeah, but... I want my wife to be happy. You're right. This is all about making wives happy, because yeah, yep. I don't want to get in trouble we're doing the later. Podcast. Yeah. It's not for Jesus. It's because no, we want our wives it's, to be it's happy. It's to make our wives happy, because <laughs> they thought we'd yeah. sound cool. But with a screaming a baby at home, I don't think my wife's very happy that I'm not there helping her. Yeah, this is this is with three little boys at home. This is vacation for me right now. I'm on vacation. So that might be the coolest part of this. So now that we're on, you're on this vacation. Why don't you take me on a little trip? Tell me a little bit about Jason's story. We've heard a lot about me and my accomplishments. Yeah, I'm sick of hearing about you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am a preacher's kid. You are. That's how I guess. I guess that's how you would say, I mean, faith was just always there okay. in our family. It wasn't, it was never not there. So one of my earliest memories is in Montrose, just north of Flint there, kind of on the, well, way out in the outskirts. Uh, one of my first memories is putting my foot on a shovel going into the ground to plant our church, to, to you know, start the building. And that's, I remember, you know, uh, this church plant and running around. Um, I think we met at like a post office or something. I just remember running around that and we met at this other federal building. Yeah. Scandalous. Yeah, it is. It was, yeah. I think it was the post office. I don't, I was little, I was really little, but those are some of my first memories. And I, you know, 
was saved, whatever you want to call it. My dad led me to Christ at five years old, uh, or thereabouts, and uh, and we just got got started from there. But uh, I would say, you know, you you get older, you go through high school and stuff, and I don't I don't want to say I like lost my faith. I think it was it was there the whole time. But man, I had some some rocky moments kind of uh you know at, at some point you're just kind of going through the motions mm-hmm. i think a lot of it was that for me so i didn't have the super spiritual read my bible by candlelight that you did uh which i think is cool i think it's incredibly cheesy but i, th- I do I, I think it's I cool. rarely do that anymore yeah but <laughs> I do it mainly holding my daughter, trying to be like, "All right, let's let's at least read this Jesus Storybook Bible, so we can at least I can get some scripture in now." So I'm not as holy as I used to be, Jason. Okay, yeah, I mean that's the thing about being ki- having kids is uh, you find out that you're not very holy very quickly. <laughs> now, I always tell everybody like I thought I was a good person until I got married, <laughs> and then my then Jess like pointed out that I am not a good person. And then I thought I got to a point where I could fake her and like fake myself into thinking I was a good person. Then we had children. And then I definitely realized I am not a good person and I really do need Jesus. <laughs> so, I mean, I, uh, um, you know, I met Jess and I grew up Baptist and met Jess, who is Church of Christ. And there's a there's a huge difference there that I really didn't. You know, uh, it's just like, choc- like it's like chocolate and vanilla, completely. Different. Yeah, just like you following uh, Shauna, I just follow Jess. It's like, oh, she goes to Church of Christ. I'm gonna go to Church of Christ. You know, and I, I mean, punk rock bands. I walk in there with my blue hair, <laughs> and this very conservative church. We got to put those pictures up on Instagram. I don't think everybody's seen those. Yeah, yeah, I got some. I like my blue hair. I would do blue hair again if I did not work in an office. I'd do it in a heartbeat. All right, if you guys want to send us $100, Jason will dye his hair blue and walk into his office job. <laughs> oh, no. It'll, it'll sponsor the podcast for a year. If somebody wants to give a gift, a generous tithe and offering of $100, Jason will dye his hair blue. I tell you, for 100 bucks, that will fund us for the next full year on like SoundCloud. <laughs> I, would, I would do that. You would, really? I, would I was do just that. kidding. No, I'd, I'd, walk in, I'd walk into my office with blue hair. But then we'd buzz you, and then you'd be fine, right? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Maybe dye it back. I don't know if I'd buzz myself. Jess likes my long hair. Yeah. So I, w- I would buzz myself. My but wife Jess, likes my long hair. Jess likes the long hair. I, got, I know I got under a hat right now, but yeah, if I were to shave my head, she would throw a fit. So Probably divorce. <laughs> over that. Yeah. Because you took a Nazarite vow. Yeah. And you yeah. don't want to cut your hair. Yeah, if the beard were to go, she would definitely, yeah. yeah that's legit. That's I mean, legit. I got a fat face under here, and the beard the beard hides it. And <laughs> so, you know, happy wife, right? Yeah. That's yeah. what we were going with? I mean, that's what we should call this episode. Happy wife. <laughs> All right, so what, what was your first ministry experience? My first ministry experience. Holy cow. So, like, I felt like, I felt called to be a pastor at a pretty young age. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had no clue what that meant. Zero. And so um, out of high school, playing in bands and stuff, uh, started a band with with Jess. And that became our ministry. But because we were 
Church of Christ and they don't allow musical instruments. Um, you know, we kind of talked to some of the elders and staff there, and they said we could do it as long as we weren't praising Jesus. <laughs> as long as we didn't go into the, any venues and praise Jesus while we were doing it. So we were, you know... That seems really backwards. Uh, yeah, so we weren't a Christian band at all. And most of them, I, I suffer with panic disorder really bad and, and depression, so a lot of the songs were, were about that. And we'd go to different clubs and stuff, and there'd be like these hidden Christian themes within the songs... But depression and panic disorder and and the stuff that goes along with that, that resonates with people. Because I think a lot of people suffer those things, but they don't, they don't know what to do with it. Especially in the Christian world, they really don't know what to do with depression. I'm sure we'll have a full episode on that down the road. Because uh, I, see, I see so many people who just, who don't get it. Like depression's like a real thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's a real chemical imbalance. It's not... It's not necessarily just somebody having a bad day. And so I connected, I mean, we connected through with a lot of people through that. And I think that was, that was ministry. I mean, when we had people come up to us afterwards, our, our, you know, even just randomly saying, hey, I found Jesus because I heard your band play. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was truly, it was awesome. So, I mean, yeah, we were... I, I, I don't even like using the word Christian band because I don't know that we actually were one, although we were all, mostly all, all Christians uh, playing music. But, you know, after Jess and I had kids, things, things kind of shifted. And so the band, the band days, all the fun and the touring and the, and the traveling, that all, that all ended. And uh, uh, we got involved in our local church. So I started teaching fifth through eighth grade boys at our church. And I did that for a while and uh, just kind of had that itch to, to speak and to preach. And uh, there, was, there was one time at our church where they had a call for elders. They were looking for elders. And I knew at this particular church, I wasn't definitely was not old enough to be an elder. But I went forward after church and I said, I, I, I want to be an elder, a pastor. I, you know, what do, what do we do to get this thing rolling? And, you know, they, you know, oh, this is the, the young guy. This is cute, you know, kind of response. But I did have one of the other elders at the church. Um, he came up to, he was excited that I was taking that initiative. And uh, for almost two years, three nights a week, wow. we studied the Bible and I mean for a couple hours at a time and we went through um, we went through all the Church of Christ doctrine first which I'm still trying to I'm still trying to put some of those pieces together in my head like why why did God have me do that why did God have me learn so many things uh, so many things that I just fundamentally dis- disagree with now like why did I why did I learn all those things? I, I still don't I still don't know sometimes, but um, we did all that, and then we started going through Genesis and then Exodus, and I mean three nights a week on top of going to regular church, and um, it was shortly after that the wheels the wheels kind of fell off in a in a big way. What happened? So you commit to this guy for three nights a week for a couple hours. I mean. 
were they just were they training anybody else to be pastors at the church? No, 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 just so, me. So here's the young prospect. Here he is, wants to be in ministry, and then what happens? How'd you get shut down? So, at our um, at the church there on the fourth Sunday of every night, they would have a uh, they'd have a, like a song service, and they did everything a cappella, and they would have one of the fifth through eighth grade boys or one of the younger men. Um, maybe in high school, whatever, one of the younger guys would get up and he'd do like a little 10 to 15 minute Devo at this thing. And I told the elder who I was studying under, I was like, I want to, I want to do a Devo. I want to do one of these. And he's like, all right. And so he's like, put, put together a lesson and we'll review it him. And there was one other elder. I think the church was around 500 people at this point. Oh, wow. And so, um, so I put together a mini sermon and I sit down with the two elders of this church, and uh, and we go over it. And they were critiquing it along the way, which I which I anticipated. I, honestly, like I speak now and preach, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Like if a pastor is generous enough um, to let me speak from his pulpit, then you know I want to do him the. Um, the honor of going through whatever I'm going to say, because those are his people that I'm talking to. They're not mine. And I could, I could lead them astray, you know, on a whim. Mm -hmm. So, so anyway, we go through this thing and it's looking good and we're, we're planning out a date and everything. And then the elder who I've been studying with, he's, he goes, just think the kid who came into church with blue hair is going to deliver a sermon. And the other elder looked me straight in the face and he goes, you're the kid with blue hair. You're not doing it. And I hadn't had blue For hair. For real? I hadn't had blue hair in eight years. He just shut you down right then and yeah. there. You were the, you were the kid who walked in with blue hair? You're not doing it. I feel like this would be the same guy that would look at the demon-possessed man that Jesus healed and say, oh, oh, you used to have demons in you and used to cut yourself and have chains and yell at people? Man, you can't, you can't be a part of this church, even though Jesus would have healed him. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's legalism at its worst. Yeah, and so like the next day I, I go back to my my regular study with the elder who I'd been under for for a while. And I goes, "What what happened?" And he said, "I don't I don't know. I think he doesn't want you to preach cuz you had blue hair." <laughs> and so that like even so ridiculous. even the other elder, the two of them couldn't agree on it. And you know, I just like that was so disheartening. I mean, theologically... Just shut you right down. Yeah. I Did you like, not want to be a pastor after that? You were like, maybe I shouldn't be a pastor. No, anymore. and I think I handled it as best as I could. Like, I, you know, I tried not... I didn't hold anything hard against the guy. Uh, I, at least I, I tried not to. I mean, here I am several years later still talking about it, so I guess there's still some, but... Uh, but... Uh, no, I mean, definitely... I felt shut down. He never, he never gave me the solid reason why. You know, and then other things too, like I want to be a deacon. I was old enough to be a deacon, not an elder at this particular church. You're not being a deacon. But why? Why can't I be a deacon? And then, you know, I look at the church budget and I ask questions about the budget and they no longer publish the church bu budget after that. And so I just felt like every time I, I took a step to make an initiative. I wanted to be involved. I, I really did. I got shut down at every turn. Hmm. And then it, it got to a point where I'm out. <laughs> so you just, did you, you and your wife 
And how many kids did you have at this point? Did you have Rex? We had two. Okay. We had two. Oliver and Gunnar were born. So you guys just said, see ya. We're out. Yeah, it didn't go that smoothly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, um, yeah, it was time to look for a new church, and we found the church we go to now. And I want to make something clear real quick. Like on this podcast, when we talk about the church, we're not talking so much. When, when I say the word church in the general sense, we're not talking about um, the church we're, that we're currently going to. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I want this to reach reach beyond that. We're talking about the church as a whole. Church universal. All the yes. believers in Christ. Yeah. So I, what was I talking about? I got derailed. You talked about when you, when you came to the church. Oh, like yeah. Right now. Yeah, so I had, I had shared with our pastor that story, and he said something that was, that was, uh, it was like a breath of fresh air. You know, I told him that, and it's like because of the blue hair and all that jazz, and he goes, he goes, that's a load of crap. <laughs> He's like, screw all that. Let's you and I go, and let's build the kingdom. And I was like, Holy, nobody's ever said that to me before. I've always been shut down every term. Every time I try to do something, I write curriculums. I, I write sermons, and, and every single one of them has been blocked. I write down ministry ideas, blocked. I mean, everything. I wrote down a whole children's ministry curriculum. Whole thing was blocked. You still have that? Yeah. You know why that one got blocked? Why? Because I had, um, I want to do puppet shows for the kids, and they thought that, one, that might be too entertaining. For the kids. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that was just another, another nail in the coffin. And so, yeah. We really for, don't want our kids to laugh at this church. We don't want them to laugh. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> so for the, the uh, and I'm not saying, like, I, I already said it was a church of Christ. I'm not saying all churches of Christ are bad. I've visited other churches of Christ that are, that are very good. It's just this particular one with the particular leadership at a particular time, it was, it was not a match. It was, mm. it was definitely not a fit. And so, yeah, to hear a pastor say, screw all that. Let's go build this thing. Like to, to me, that, that was the breath of fresh air that I needed. It was a, it was a complete clean start over. I think we took a few weeks off and I'll be honest. The first time we walked into the church we go to now, I hated it. (laughs) I did. I hated it with a passion and I thought it was the most ridiculous overproduced, um, fake thing I had ever seen. Um, saw the, <laughs> saw the pastor who was up there. I was like, that dude's not real. I mean, I was so jaded from church experience. I was like dejected. And then you come to this thing and this just is overproduced mess. I thought, mm-hmm. you know, and that was me being judgmental. Like, yeah, it took me a while. And I'll, I'll admit that like me being judgmental, like that, that was wrong of me, but it's just where I was at the time. And then, you know, slowly you get to learn people, you get to know people, and you get to see their hearts. And you're like, no, these people, they, they really love Jesus. They don't, ever, they don't always get everything right, but they're always trying to. Mm-hmm. And so uh, to me, like, that, the effort, the journey was, was something that really, you know, caught me mm-hmm. that I could hold on to. Well, uh... I, I didn't have that much of the similar experience. I remember, you know, I was, like we talked about earlier, I was doing boss and I was um, trying to just do ministry the only way I knew how, which was just to have guys over for pizza and read a chapter out of the Bible and talk about it. 
And so I'm, you didn't ask for like permission from anybody though. You just went and did it. Well, yeah. I mean, I wasn't really doing much with my faith at the time. The only thing that I really did was I sang in choir. I was a bass. Me and me and the pastor, the lead pastor, were the only guys singing bass. Yeah. And you want to sing some bass for us right now? No. Okay. <laughs> I no, I, I don't really have a hymnal. I, I need my brown hymnal. 464 was It Is Well With My Soul. Oh, buddy, we're in a church, man. We got hymnals galore. Oh, my gosh. Those things. I love hymns. That's why I love King's Kaleidoscope so much. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah. No, I didn't ask for permission. I didn't, know, I didn't even know I was supposed to ask for permission. Yeah, I think I think that's pretty rad. Like you just like I'm gonna open my Bible. I'm just gonna do this. And the Lord was very gracious. Yeah, I, mean, I look but at that's some so of my notes. Genuine, I'm like, oh my gosh, these notes are awful. My notes are now are so much better. But it came to a point where my wife and I, uh, before we were married, we were we were kind of talking about getting married. And I said, you know, now that I'm the, this spiritual leader and I've been studying my Bible and been leading this Bible study. We need to go to a church together that we like. Because we would visit, I would visit her church, she would visit mine, and we just, we both weren't feeling it. So that's when we came to the church that we're at now. And it's been a long road, and that's actually, um, that's where I first met our pastor, Pastor Josh. And the first thing I said to him was like, hey, do you guys do marriage counseling? And he's like, yeah, why don't you come over? And his wife made this excellent Mexican lunch like it was like make your own burrito buffet and it was awesome like that's that's one of my that was one of my pregnancy cravings when my wife was pregnant was Mexican food and caramel and <laughs> so anytime somebody like says you want to make your own burrito I'm like yes I would I would love to make my own burrito anyway I digress the Mexican foods like it's like the staple when you're inviting new people over Everybody loves it. Yeah, nobody doesn't love it. It's great for all people with food allergies as well. Yeah, because you don't have you just you just lay everything out there and just like make your own. Make your own yeah. burrito. Yeah. You want sour cream or you don't want sour cream, which is stupid if you don't use sour. I hate sour anyway, cream. Hate it. So I went over to Combs's house, and Josh Combs. I went over to his house, and I told him I said I kind of feel like I feel called to ministry. I've been doing this Bible study at my house. It's going really well. Even though I don't have a lot of ministry training under my belt, I feel like it's growing. Um, the Bible's starting to make sense. I'm like able to remember verses. And, I, and I, I said that then, and I should have said, well, the Holy Spirit was bringing verses to memory for me. Oh, yeah. And I got to give him mad credit for that. Anyway. That's and, funny because at the same time, I had gone to him too and said, I think God's called me to be, be a pastor. So you, you got the invite. Like, like we're in the same time frame of <laughs> so this when is should when we do this met. pastor thing. Yeah. So we met at actually at Josh's uh, pastor's academy that he started. And, and it first started at his house. Yeah, because he had a number of guys come up to him and say, I feel like God's called me to be a pastor. Which, what church does that? Which church that you know of has has a number of young men all at the same time say, I think God's called me to ministry. I think God's called me to be a pastor. I mean, like, that's that's incredible. It is. And I mean, some of those guys, we know them still, we're still in contact with them. Some of them have full-time ministry jobs and others of them are just really faithful to the church and they're just killing it, do, just doing ministry while also trying to 
you know, raise a family and hold down jobs. Yeah. But anyway, I remember the first night I went to, uh, went to Pastors Academy. I had my giant ESV study Bible. It's a, yeah, it's back here. And I put it on the little makeshift music stand that we were using for a pulpit. And I broke the you music stand. That thing. And we all laughed. And the funny thing was, I still had to preach my sermon. You preached it bent over. I at preached the it waist. bent over <laughs> like this. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so uh, we're going to be in Luke 15, lost sheep. Yeah. And it was, it was awesome. And actually, when I got done preaching that sermon, Josh says, that was the best four-minute sermon. You nailed it. I've ever heard. You nailed it. I said, Absolutely. It was only four minutes. Yeah. And then I sat down, and then I think you got up right after me, and you preached the longest sermon yeah. ever. I'll show you how to do it like a boss. I always used to say I used to surrender my time to you, whatever time I didn't use for my. Yeah, because we, we had a ten-minute time limit. Yeah, so I would just say, Jason can just have my time. Yeah. I'd and so you get done 15. preaching your long sermon, and you know Josh says, "All right, Jason, like." Time's up, and you're like, well, I, I want to sing a hymn. <laughs> you're like, here we go, hymn boy, showing off for the yeah. pastor. I think I think on another one, I wrote like a poem and like read a poem that I wrote. You're so artsy. Yeah. You're the, so artsy. Well, you know, i got to connect with people. So, okay, so now that we, we've met each other, we're at church together, um, let's talk about some of those weird and awkward ministry moments oh, because... Boy. I mean, now people know that, hey, we're called to ministry. They heard our stories a little bit. What are some of the awkward ministry moments that you've had? All right. So, I mean, through this little Pastors Academy, okay, yeah. how we got started in like real ministry. Yeah. One of the first things we do is we go to drug recovery homes. We go to Odyssey House, mm -hmm. Salvation yeah, Army. That. Yep. And you and I did that a lot. We, yeah. went, to, we went there together. And, uh, and, and which I was not ready for that. Mm -hmm. I really was not. I was thinking church job, like I'm, I'm going to be a, a pastor somewhere at a nice comfy church job Yep. and I guess not do anything real. And God said the exact opposite. <laughs> well, I just like threw, like threw me right in. Like, yeah. You're going to Odyssey house and you're going to be doing some hard stuff right off the bat. <laughs> And it was like, so awkward moments. Is that what you were asking? Yeah. What was awkward moment? Awkward was this one time at Odyssey house in downtown Flint. I had one guy show up for Bible study. <laughs> one guy. And you still, one guy. Still did it. Yeah. And this, I mean, this guy, he, he had been homeless. They were letting him stay there. And I started going through my lesson with him and it was clear, like, this dude wasn't going to get it. Like the drugs had messed with his brain to the point where he just, he, he wasn't going to get, and I'm trying my hardest and it was like two steps forward and three steps back. <laughs> and the subject, it, it comes up at, it comes up at the Salvation Army too. Smoking is smoking a sin. And this guy was thoroughly convinced that he was going to hell because he smoked cigarettes which is funny because I got the candy cigarettes. <laughs> and that's what the lady at the counter, when, when I was picking those up, she's like, I remember these before smoking was a sin. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and so, yeah, this guy thought he was going to hell. And no matter, I could not convince him that he wasn't. <laughs> 
And so, I mean, we go through. I mean, this, they shouldn't laugh. That's kind of. We go through this big long. It was really sad. I could not convince this guy that he was not going to hell, and uh, because because of smoking cigarettes, and uh, we get to the end of it, and he sounds like genuinely like, yeah. I'm never going to smoke again. I'm like, dude, you missed the whole thing because I, I was just telling you how, how it doesn't matter. Or, no, if I, if I smoke, I'm going to hell. I was like, all right, buddy. No, you're not. But, you know, we'll say I, was, yeah, I prayed with the guy. And then he leaves. I watch him walk right out front and light up. <laughs> and like, oh, man, that poor dude. Like, like you know. That's something the tobacco companies don't tell you, though. Yeah. If you smoke, you go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> it should be a, right underneath the Surgeon General's warning. I just felt so bad because this guy couldn't shake it. And just he walks right out and lights up. It was just like it was so hopeless on his part. Like, his pain. What about you? Awkward moments. So, my awkward moments are really just, it's one long story. Okay. So, after I started coming to the, to the church for a while that we're going to and... I started getting involved in different things, and uh, Pastor Josh offers me a job. And he sent me into the most awkward ministry position I think the church has ever had. And that is, go be our Flint Connections Director at our Flint location that they just opened up. And it was like, all right, so this really naive, never went to seminary, literally has two years of a men's Bible study as his ministry like profile under his belt. Let's send him to Flint. And I got to admit, I was super pumped. I was like, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to win the city for Jesus. <laughs> Flint. And I, Flint. Like, can I say something? Yeah. I was incredibly jealous. You are way more qualified in my opinion. I was incredibly, that's what I'm I like, thought too. It turns out I was not well, way more qualified. But I'm, I'm, not, different qualified. I'm not there anymore. <laughs> but I was so incredibly jealous at the time. And I keep going. I'm just. It's I was okay. The away. Lord forgives your jealousy. Okay. I'm glad. <laughs> let me let me smoke another cigarette. Just calm down. Have some more sugar sticks. Another roundup. <laughs> oh man. So my whole ministry experience was really one big awkward moment because one, I've never done this job before. I, at, before that, I'd been working in a wood shop for seven years. So I've been doing carpentry. And like Jesus, yeah, like Jesus. That's that's why carpenters are more holy than other professions. That's why you got the long hair. Exactly. I mean, this guy looks like a carpenter. <laughs> Scale's ridiculous. He's got some nail marks. Oh, bad joke. Yeah, that was not cool. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah keep going. <laughs> um. No. So I I go out to Flint. This white kid who's been literally living in the woods his whole life in Metamora. And I literally just start meeting people and just kind of going around downtown Flint, trying to just uh, get a feel for what ministry looks like in the city. I remember I met with a lot of locals and just asked them, like, what do you need? What does is, what is, you know, church look like for you? And a lot of people told me, that, yeah, we're just not about church or we already go to this church or whatever. There's a lot of churches in downtown Flint. But one of the craziest things I ever did, and it was really awkward as well, is... I'm like six months into the job, not even six months. Actually, I think it was only three months into the job. And Pastor Josh says, hey, there's a couple that lives by our church building in Flint. I want you to go marry them. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I'm not even ordained. Like, I'm not even like, 
I'm not even on the payroll as a pastor. I'm a director of connections. And he's like, just go, just go on, on online and just get ordained online. <laughs> just get the fake one. By the way, Jess has that too. Yeah? Yeah. She's it, done more weddings than I have. Oh, well, you know, you'll get there, buddy. Yeah, someday. <laughs> and so I get online, and literally it's so easy. If anybody wants to get ordained to do weddings, you, all you have to know is your name, how to spell your name, and your birth date. And they literally send you an email saying, you're ordained. Does and, it, it's like five bucks, isn't it? No, I didn't have to pay anything. Oh, I thought it was like five bucks. I wasn't going to pay five bucks. <laughs> anyway, keep going. I anyway. Keep going you. Uh, so I go... <laughs> I go to this house and I meet with this couple and they were a really sweet couple and they were nice and but they lived in this really old house in Flint and I said well where are we going to do the wedding at you guys want to use the church building what's going on it's like we're just going to do it right here in the living room so I go in the living room and I and I'm wearing I'm wearing like khaki pants and like a short sleeve button-up shirt trying to look somewhat professional and I get there and the guy says you're too overdressed I was like, what? You're too overdressed. And he gives me a leather uh, biker vest. <laughs> I have the picture on my phone. Uh, maybe we'll post it on Instagram. <laughs> and so he's, he's, so I said, all right, let's do this marriage thing. So I get up there and literally preach a five-minute marriage sermon. Like, what does the Bible say about marriage? And then I did the I do's and they did the I do's. And the other funny thing, it was really awkward. The guy who's getting married, his ex-wife was in the living room watching his her ex-husband get married again. And so, you know, I, I did this I did the service, I do I signed the paperwork and the guy asked me, he goes, How much you want to how much does this cost? I said, it doesn't cost anything. I'm I'm just happy to do it. I'm happy that you guys were my first wedding that I did. And he's just like, no, seriously, how much? I was like, I don't know, just whatever. I don't I don't care. So he hands me 40 bucks. I was nice. like, okay, sweet, forty bucks. And I think I, I think I put it in the offering plate when it. Oh, went by. super Christian. I, I didn't want to get paid. <laughs> but then after that, he asked me. He says, "Hey, you want some weed?" I was like, "Nah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not that kind of Jesus person." And then, and then I left. <laughs> See, what if you would have put the weed in the offering plate and kept the forty bucks? Yeah, that would have been fun. <laughs> we, I should have done that. Yeah. But yeah, so. <laughs> I could go on and on and on, just so many different stories, but let's, maybe, maybe let's move to some, some more kind of more momentous mo- occasions. Like, what was maybe your best ministry moment? Uh, probably the first time I preached at the Salvation Army. First time you preached at the Salvation yeah, Army. Yeah, so we're doing this Pastors Academy thing, and I'm watching everybody being plucked up into ministry. I mm-hmm. watched you go off into ministry. And here I was, I thought I was like a special deal, you know. I thought I was like the best speaker boy. In, in class. And, and everybody's getting a church job somewhere except for me. And I just remember being so dejected thinking maybe this is not what God wants me to do. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. And so I remember being, going, uh, driving to work one day and just praying to God. Like, God, if this is... Like, if you want me to do this, like, just show me something. Give me something. Mm-hmm. And so that day's over. I'm driving back home from work, and I get a phone call uh, from Josh saying, we need somebody to preach tonight at the Salvation Army. 
and I've got nothing prepared. I've gotten many of those phone calls. But I was like, I was like, well, maybe this, maybe this is it. Maybe this is what God wants me to do. And so, um, I've got nothing prepared. I don't even have my Bible. I've got my King James Bible of shame <laughs> in the trunk, you know. And so I grab that Bible. I've got I've got no outline. I've got I don't I don't know what I'm I'm gonna say. And I get up there at the Salvation Army and I preach and it's a wreck. Like the whole sermon, it's disastrous. It's the worst that I ever spoke to to anything. To you know, it's the worst time I ever spoke, period. And uh The guys at the Salvation Army gave me like a standing ovation really? when I was done. That's what I love about preaching there is the guys are so like they're out they're so hungry for for Bible that they're like on the edge of their seats. <laughs> they're either on the edge of their sleep or they're, or they're sleeping because they've they, they've, had a long they, day. they've had a long day. But I had so many people like tuned into me just like absolutely sucking at <laughs> preaching, and this uh, uh, so many guys came up afterwards and asked me questions. And I didn't have my Bible with all my notes in it. So everything's just literally falling apart right in front of me. And this guy asked me a question and I fumbled through it. And uh, Tiffany was there. Mm -hmm. And she was the one who had requested that I speak. And um, we led a guy to Jesus. Oh, that's awesome. And then she had told me a a week. That's way awesome. She told me a week later that that guy got saved off my sermon. And to me, that was God showing me, like, hey, punk, like, I'm going to use you, but on my terms and in my way. And it's not going to be because you're an awesome speaker. Uh, it's not going to be because of how good you are or how cool you are. I'm going to use you because you're going to glorify me. Mm. And to me, that Preacher. was like, yeah, that was like, that was like the moment, like, Another like burst of energy, I guess, to keep going. I guess my best ministry moment, uh, one of the things that we did in Flint, and it was truly incredible, was we, we used to go all over where the church was located and even to, to some neighborhoods that weren't uh, by the church, and we would pick up kids for a, like a kids program. And I remember at one point, this was crazy, we had 43 kids in our auditorium and all of my volunteers couldn't make it that day. So there was 43 kids that I picked up on a bus and three adults, counting myself, that were running the show. And it was a madhouse because one kid's screaming that and crying because he misses his mom. So then I'm down to two volunteers. See, that, that alone makes me glad that I did not get that job. Like, <laughs> like that's one of the things I'm talking about. Like I would not have been equipped. Like I was bitter about not getting... Uh, a church job, I would have hated that. I would have hated that so much. I probably would have quit right there. It was it was super frustrating, like just straight up frustrating. But at the same time, there would be weeks I get to get stand up in front of you know twenty kids, forty three kids, however many, and I would preach Jesus to them. Yeah, that's cool. Or I would preach an Old Testament story and somehow connect it to Jesus, and it was. I wasn't. I'm not. I'm not even the greatest uh, preacher to kids. Like I'm not a great preacher at all. But like especially to kids, I just fumble over words because I want to use these big theological terms, and I can't do that for kids. It's like what's sanctification? 
What what's predestination? That sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, I don't Let's think I've ever said that. that. <laughs> On another episode, we'll talk about it. Uh, but through all of that, through I think it was after a year or so, I met this kid, and his name was Cordell, and he started asking some really good questions, and he's like eight years old. And I don't know if it was something that I preached or somebody, something somebody else started preaching, but he started acting like a new person. He wasn't the same anymore. And our, our old children's director told me, he's like, I think, I think Cordell's saved. I think, I think he's given his life to Jesus. And after asking him some questions, like, it was definitely like, you're saved, dude. You believe in Jesus. You believe in what he did for you. That that's, he, that's awesome. And I had the opportunity to baptize him. And he was the only kid we baptized from our Saturday kids program. But all the stress, all the running around, handing out flyers, all the just craziness of having 43 kids and only three adult volunteers, that moment was all worth it. Yeah. Actually, his mom got baptized as well. She came and got baptized that, that Sunday. So That's that was... Cool. It was so funny, too, because when we brought the baptismal in for the kids to look at, they were all like, you guys got a jacuzzi in your church? <laughs> yeah. We're like, kind of. Yeah, yes, we do. So It's probably a pokey stop, too, right? It, it maybe is. I haven't gone down to the, the building yet to see if it is or not, but maybe it is. All right, let's talk about, if you want to, so you, you're sharing all your ministry in Flint and the highs and the lows of it. And we got a blog on, a, on our website right now. Yeah. And we started. You lost your position. Uh, yeah, I'm currently not employed by the church. Yeah, so do you, do you want to walk us through any of that? Uh, we'll do it real quick. Okay. Because I know we're coming Give up. The, yeah. We're coming up on, on our time. Yeah, we don't want to go too um, long here. Alex doesn't want to talk about anything real. Huh? No, what? <laughs> so there was uh, I, I worked at a church for a year and a half and I honestly thought like this is this is the dream job and it was almost kind of like a bragging right because I had I had thought for the longest time that I was called to ministry and even the way I got hired was incredible I didn't even hand anybody a resume they just said do you want this job and I was like yes I think this is what God is calling me to I remember feeling very just unsettled at where I was at uh, at my, my job at the wood shop. And so, and I said, God, whatever you want me to do next, I'm going to do it. And literally the next day, uh, pastor Josh calls me and says, come into my office on Friday. I want to talk to you about something. I was like, Oh, I wonder what this is going to be about. Hopefully I'm not getting excommunicated for having long hair or, or blue anything hair. or blue hair. Just saying. Uh, that happens too, from what I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> and so I go into his office and he has the rest of the church staff come in, and they, he says, I want to offer you a full-time position at our Flint location. I was like, what? God, that was fast. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I've been praying about it, and I've been really feeling unsettled where I'm at. And I, I honestly told God, wherever he wants me next, whatever he wants me to do, I'll do it. And I thought, that's it. So... Uh, May, I hired on. May 2013, I hired on at the church, and... A year and a half later, it was getting, it was, it was a crazy awesome ride. My wife and I grew so much. Uh, I, I don't you think moved I, to Flint. Yeah, we moved to Flint. We, yeah, we who, left. Nobody's doing that right now. I mean, there's, there's people doing that. Yeah. You just don't hear about it. No, and not so at all. That's what the, I'm saying. You don't hear about it. They are the unsung heroes. Yeah. People who are 
have nothing in common with people from Flint. Never, some of them never even lived in an urban setting like myself. Yeah, saying, you didn't. We're going to move to Flint, and we want to see Jesus move in this city. Yeah, you're willing. So, to, you were willing to step out there on faith and just go for it. Well, honestly, when we were looking for houses, I didn't want to live in Flint because I didn't want to live in an urban. I wanted you to move across the street from me. I remember that our kids could have had squirt gun fights. It would have yeah. been awesome to play Pokemon. We're talking about that too much. I'm sorry. Yeah. We anyway, <laughs> we so finally somebody kind of told us like, if you want to be legit, you got to buy a house in Flint. I think that was somebody was me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't just remember David Platt. <laughs> you got to be a radical, Alex. Oh gosh, radical church, <laughs> yeah. radical moving. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, we bought a house in Flint, and it, it was funny. Somebody came up to me at the church, and he was like, I didn't think you were serious until you bought a house in Flint. I was like, well, I'm here. I got a mortgage. I'm kind of stuck here for a while. Yeah, and an excellent water. And, yeah, our water's great. Actually, our water is great. Yeah, I think you, you are in a good zone. I was not being sarcastic. I was being, our water, I thankfully, with having a new baby, our water's fine. But there's still a lot of people that don't have water. So, yeah. anyway. Um, so after about a year and a half of going through the ups and downs of ministry and learning so much and really growing in my faith, uh, we, I came to a point where the church was really hurting for money. And we, we all sat in a staff meeting and, and Josh had said, listen, we're going to start 2015 losing some of you. And I was like, uh-oh. Yeah. And I even thought for a second I was maybe safe because I was the only one location staff member for the Flint location. So I'm like, maybe they won't fire me. I mean, or not, excuse me, lay me off because I'm, I'm the only guy in Flint. If they let me go, there's not going to be anybody there. And I did get let go. Yeah. And I remember Josh and I are sitting in his office crying because he said, I want to keep you. I don't want you to go. He even said, like, you've grown so much. And I, at that point, I, I was ready for 2015 to happen. I was ready for, for the, you know, our Christmas gathering. And then after that, just starting 2015 off right and really feeling like I had learned a lot the past year and a half. And I didn't get to do any of the things I wanted to do. And that was hard. There was, there was, a, there was, a, there was a little bit of bitterness. But then at the same time, uh, after I got laid off, I said, well, just because I don't work for the church anymore doesn't mean I still can't be a part of this community. Yeah. So I said, I, I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to keep going here. I mean, the church is still five minutes down the road from my house. Why would I go to a different church? And so I stuck it out, and we, I, I went there, and uh, it was a year after that point. And I, and I did most of my – I wrote this in the blog. I did a lot of my duties that I used to do as – on staff, but as a volunteer. Yeah. And that was crazy. That, that, that put a lot of strain on my marriage and my wife had just found out she was pregnant. So I had to scale back a little bit. And, but about a year later, uh, I had, I had another meeting with uh, pastor Josh and he said, listen, I really feel like it's time to do something with Flint. And I think what the Holy spirit is leading me to do is to hand the ministry over to someone else. And so it's like another shot. You know, because you stayed with the church. I had honestly been praying about it because they were they were trying to find you know the the church had step uh, like kind of reestablished their budget a little bit and they were there there was some room in the budget to hire some more staff 
And I was honestly thinking, like, I'm going to get my church job back. Yeah. And it's going to be awesome. I'm going to return back to ministry like a conquering hero. And I'm going to be like, you guys got rid of me, but I'm not going anywhere. And that didn't happen. What had happened was Josh had said, I really feel like the Holy Spirit is, is telling me to give this ministry over to this other man. Yeah. And the church isn't going to meet here anymore. And I remember it was at that point, I think all the, a little bit of the bitterness and the hurt finally hit me from even getting laid off. Because it was kind of like, there was like no time to hurt. And be, you kind of buried it. I buried it because it was like, well, the church is still going. And actually at that point, the church was growing. We were about 70. We were a church plant in Flint with 70 people. Yeah. And so that was awesome. It's like, well, we're still growing. We're still doing stuff. We still have the kids program. Kids are still hearing the gospel. Like, let's just keep doing this. So there wasn't a time to kind of sit back and reflect. We just kept, had to keep going. And it wasn't until the doors closed and we locked the doors. Yeah. It was kind of like, oh, it's over now here. And what was supposed to happen was the church was supposed to, the, our church that was meeting in Flint was supposed to uh, kind of mesh together with this new ministry under this new pastor. And we, it was like, well, we're going to be all one big happy family again, just with a different pastor. And it was a pastor who was uh, a good man and He's still in Flint right now doing a lot of great things. Uh, has a church plant in uh, downtown Flint right now. And um, that didn't happen. The church didn't, all of, all of our, our community that we had, all the people that were, uh, that were going there, they all scattered. Yeah. And that was the hardest thing to see all those people scattered because we had been together for two years, some of us a little bit more, doing ministry together seeing Jesus do all these amazing things. And I was like, well, let's just go to this new place. And that didn't happen. And I think that was another thing that just really shook me to the core. Like, oh, now all my, my, my family, essentially my church family is not what it is now. Yeah. It's, it's gone. And so that's why I wrote that blog. And actually writing the blog really helped me kind of put some ideas down on paper and really start help the healing process. I mean, I've been in the healing process and, for those of you wondering, I am going to church. I'm not, I haven't, I haven't not. Yeah, I, I only posted part one of that blog. Yeah, so there, <laughs> so there, is, like there is a happy ending. <laughs> there is a happy ending at the yeah. end uh, in, when I write part two. But there's a long time, and my, again, my wife had to kind of call me out of it. It was like, we'd be laying in bed and our alarms would go off. And I'd look over at her and I'd say, I don't think we need to go to church today. And I'd, I'd be fine with it if we just stayed home. Yeah. And that, that was, that's a really dangerous place to be. That is, yeah. So, I mean, it sounds, it almost sounds like the church is the bad guy at this point, but be, it, it genuinely, the right decision was made in handing yeah. the, the ministry so I don't, over. So, I don't want to, I don't want to say that uh, Pastor Josh or you any You just happened of the, to take any... a shot to the nuts <laughs> in the process. I was not wearing my cup. No, you weren't wearing um, your cup. Yeah, so no, I don't, and actually for anybody listening, uh, I'm not bitter at Josh or any of the any of the leadership that made the decision because something had to happen and that was just what had happened. Yeah. And I mean, five years from now, I'll probably look back at this moment and say, wow, God used that for something awesome. Yeah. But I, I mean, think, I think you are, I think you are the conquering hero. No, yes. I am not. Yeah. Don't make me out to be I, some, I do think, some I Jesus do think freak. you are because like, like I know in my heart, like if it just me, 
I would have, I would have ran. Like I would have been so mad. You had already been hurt before. Yeah, I have. Yeah, that would that would have been second strike. I, it, yeah, it might have been second strike. Second or third strike, and yeah. you're out, buddy. Well, here's the thing: is what I want to get to today is like we're gonna take some strikes in ministry. We we already have. We have. We've taken some strikes, and we're probably gonna take some more. But there's a part of me though that I want to get. I'll take a strike again. This, and part of my healing process has been meeting with other pastors and mentors and literally studying the Bible and seeing this, the church is so important and that the church is Christ's body, the church is Christ's bride, that we're all going to be together at the, the final wedding supper of the Lamb, all sitting together at this big table with Jesus. You're getting super spiritual. I'm getting really spiritual. <laughs> you, and let me say another... You are. We're going to be Let's able to drink Bible wine. Yeah. Oh, 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 no. With no shame. Oh, no. I went there. With no shame. With no shame. Way to open that can of worms, And Alex, not be able to get drunk. the first episode. You're not going to be able to get drunk in the first in episode. And yeah. We're gonna, I'll go there. I'll all take right. some strikes already. But yeah... The church is so important, and but you took a hit. You took a hit. I took a hit, but we kept going. It would have been easy for you to say, "Screw it, church is done for me." It I, I was almost me. to that yeah. point. It would have been easy for me to say, "Screw it, enough of this." I've I've invested too much time and money, and none of this be... makes none of none of what we're doing makes any logical sense if you think about it. Yeah, why would you want to be at a job where people are not going to like you? where people are going to hurt you repeatedly. And if you do get a paid position, it's not going to be very much. Yeah. Unless you're like Joel Olstein and you get paid uh, like a million dollars. That's what we're all striving to be, though. I mean, it would be nice to get paid a million dollars to preach a bunch of garbage on Sunday, but... <laughs> another can of worms. What? <laughs> no, you just opened up another can. What? Okay, well... That's strike three. That's <laughs> yeah, strike three. We're going to be getting some calls from his, from his public relations people. Yeah. He's got some good tweets, I guess. Yeah, so I met with, I met with a, a pastor the other day for lunch, and he goes, he said something along these lines. He's like, the dentist that I go to um, was using the anesthesia to put people under, and while they were down, he was raping them. So I didn't know we were going to get this dark on yeah. our podcast. So he goes, so I quit going to him. In fact, I quit going to all dentists. In fact, I quit brushing my teeth. No more. And that's, that's how ridiculous it sounds because of one hurt experience, mm. or maybe a couple of hurt experiences, that we just, because it's church, we just couch everything under it and say, you know what, I got hurt, screw it, I'm done. And it'd be, it'd be like the same thing, saying to that dentist, like, yeah, I'm never brushing my teeth again. Dentists are bad people. You know what? There are some bad churches out there. Mm -hmm. There are some bad people in leadership at churches. But that doesn't mean that God's not working and moving. I think you and I are a, are a walking testimony to that. <laughs> like, he's using us. I don't know what he's got in store for me. Uh, I can tell you at this point, I do not plan on being a pastor and working a church job per se. I don't. I don't know if I want. I mean, a I want to go bi vocational all the way. I got to that point. I finally got over the fact that you know what, being called to ministry looks like having a church job. I'm over that now. Yeah. It looks like being bi vocational. Looks like just being a volunteer. 
And I'm okay with that now. Yeah, and honestly, like, the way church is going in our country, that might be what our position looks like in the future anyway. The church might uh, disintegrate into small house churches, which, you know, part of me would be like, that would be incredibly sad, but the other part's, like, incredibly excited. because The, the idea of community would be so much more solidified. Yes. Yeah, and the need, and I think the Bible would come to life, like, for people. I think it would speak to people. Mm being persecuted i know so many people think well the church is persecuted the church is not persecuted right it's now. it's not no we are not especially in persecuted. america it is not no not not even close. the only persecution we face is when we run out of toilet paper in the church stall that's the yeah. only persecution you know i did before we started i took a dump in the women's bathroom <laughs> in this church building not because you identify as a yeah. woman, but because I just go you're on, lazy. Yeah, I just want to go on record. Yeah, well, first of all, I'm not walking down in this creepy basement yeah. to take a dump. Because <laughs> that's when the bad stuff happens. And two, the toilet paper here sucks. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. So I feel bad for the people that use this bathroom. Yeah, it's, Let's it's pray. really We bad. should pray for them. Yeah. All right, so <laughs> we went... We, yeah, we went a lot longer than I kind of anticipated for our first episode. Maybe people are still listening. Probably not. Um, if you listen to the first 30 seconds, it counts as a listen for us. So if you yeah. want to give us at least 30 seconds, we would be so grateful. Yeah. But at this point, they're like an hour in. So like they, Oops. <laughs> maybe we need my to put that up front. My mom will listen to it. Yeah. My dad will listen yeah, to it. Yeah, my dad will listen to it too. <laughs> yeah. So basically, what we need from everybody right now and we talked about doing advertisement or something. Yeah. We need to advertise ourselves. <laughs> like, we need you to go onto our website and share these episodes with people. Like all of our crap. <laughs> like our Facebook and Instagram and follow us on Twitter and do all that garbage. You'll find some more Lego pictures on our Instagram and maybe even more Pokemon yeah. pictures. But, like, seriously, like, if, if you feel like you can resonate with what we're doing here, uh, we don't want any money or anything. We just want you to share it with people. And we're going to start up a YouTube channel too. Uh, we've already started it, but subscribe to us. If YouTube is your thing, like subscribe to us on there. And it'll be really cool and all your wildest dreams will come true. <laughs> I mean, if you do feel led by the Lord to give us money, we would really, I mean, one of our goals is to make this a self-sustaining podcast because a lot of people don't know that you just can't record your voice and throw it up on the internet. There's some, there's some uh, website costs and there's some SoundCloud space that we have to buy. Uh, Jason and I would really like to keep this thing going for as long as God would have us yeah, keep it going. Yeah, and I think the, the operation per year, I mean, it comes in a little under you know, 15 grand is what it costs, <laughs> <laughs> it costs for us to run this thing, like, right? So, I mean, that's, what, that's kind of our target, you know? <laughs> if God has put it on your heart. I would like to get health benefits from this gig. <laughs> I'd like a 401k from Not Your Pastor's yeah, Podcast. Yeah, I mean, that'd be sweet. But yeah. it, anyway. Thank, no high aspirations or anything. No, not at all. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening to us. We went a little long. Um, we'll try and make them shorter next time. We love you guys. Uh, praying for you. Any any final thoughts, Jason? No, not today. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a bummer. I, I can say, though, like, it's nightfall here at this creepy old church building that our church is super generous in letting us use until they listen to this episode <laughs> and, and say that we can't, like, record our podcast here anymore. 
But if you check our Instagram, every time we're here, I'm going to take a picture of the graveyard out back because we're like looking for orbs. So maybe like, maybe we don't see them, but maybe you see them and maybe Alex tries to catch one, right? Yeah, I'll try and catch one with my photon blaster. I was thinking more like your stupid Pokemon thing. Hey, there are ghost Pokemon. We've already said that. Yeah. They're in here. All right, that's enough. All right. Love you guys. See ya. Bye.